Man, thank you, worship team. Y'all, I gotta say that y'all feel a little bit uh, more rested today for some reason. I don't know what it, whether it's the hour extra sleep you got or the half hour, you know, later that we're starting the service or not. But whatever it is, man, we're just excited that you are here. And uh, if we haven't gotten a chance to meet yet, my name is Brad. I'm the lead pastor and one of the teaching pastors here. And I get the honor and the privilege to kick off our brand new series this week called "How's Your Soul." And uh, it's a, it's an odd question, isn't it? Have you ever been asked, "How's your soul?" This is something that Jordan actually, uh, quite a while ago, started asking this question. And when it gets asked to you for the very first time, it kind of takes you off guard. Uh, because we're used to having people come up to us and say, you know, well, how are you doing? You know, and we give the old pat answer of, oh, oh man, I'm doing great. Everything's great. Kids are great. Work is great. You know, we don't have to think about it too much. But when you get asked, how's your soul, it changes things up a little bit. And you have to actually think about, I don't know, how it, how well, one, what is even that? But we have to start wrestling with how are we doing deep inside? How are we actually coping with everything that's going on and in and around us at this time? And this word soul is actually a Hebrew word called nephesh. And in the Old Testament, it's used over 700 times. And we get this, the, the verse that, you know, of, of we need to love God with all our heart, with all our souls, our nephesh, and our mind. So there's something significant, there's something important about our soul. So what is a soul? And we've been having this kind of joke, you know, Jordan keeps telling me, you've got to define soul. And I said, I'm not going to do it, you know. We're just going to, I'll let him do that next week. But, but, because <laughs> he's got to change it anyway. But it is, it's one of those things. And so we actually did some research. He actually emailed one of his, his, uh, what, what was it? Who was it? It's, yeah, professor, you're going to let me sit here and struggle, aren't you? You jerk. Okay. <laughs> How's your soul? Anyway, he, he emails one of his professors, and he starts reading me this, this, this theolo theologian thing, comment about what a soul is. And I said, yeah, I'm not using that, okay? But to me, as I've wrestled with this whole thing, you know, to me, your soul is, your, is this God-breathed inner self that lives for eternity, it's something God instills in us from the very beginning when we're conceptualized, and, and, and he breathes this into us, and it, it's the thing that lives eternally in us. A lot of people will say that, you know, we are a body with a soul, but in reality, what we are is a soul with a body. And there's something about, about our soul that, man, we need to, to, to understand and we need to protect, and, and that's what this whole series is going to be about. And so we started this, this beginning of this year with this verse, and we said we're going to cling on to this verse all year long, and we keep referring back to it. And when we started thinking about this series, and I'm so excited about this series, we said we want this series just to come back and, and ground us once again as we finish out this year as strong as we can. And, and that, that verse, those verses that we started this year was, was, was Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. And here's what it says. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So as you reflect back about this past year, everything that you've done going up to this point in time, do you feel rested, or are you weary? Are you more rested or less than when you started this, this year? And as we go into the, this, this last bit of the season, we're coming up with Thanksgiving, we're coming up with Thanksgiving, all, Thanksgiving and Christmas and everything that goes along with that. 
Are, are, are you a little bit anxious about everything that has to be done? Are you a little anxious about, about everything that has to be prepared, everything that has to be thought about, all the details and, and all the stuff there? Are you more rested or are you less? As you look into the future, at this last few months, are you thinking, oh, man, this is just going to be one of those stretches I just got to get through? So how's your soul? How's your soul? How do you sit here today? What are you wrestling with? What's God prodding you with? Where, are he, where is, he, is he moving you to? And so I want to start with this, just talk about this story today. And I've never taught in this story, so I'm really excited about this. And um, here, this, the story is, is Jesus, and he's going to some good friends of his, some very good friends of his. He's actually going to a small group meeting, if you will, okay? And he's, he's, he's getting these people that he loves around him, and, and there's these two sisters who are, who are there with him. And we're going to start here in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. And I want to stop there because this is so crucial. This is so important. If you know anything about Luke, the writer, he is very detail-oriented. He wants to make sure he gets all the facts right. He wants to make sure that you understand what is going on. So this is just no coincidence. He says that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. We have a tendency in our culture just to kind of read over that, but this would have been shocking in this culture, that Mary had the nerve to sit in, in, in that form in front of Jesus because Jesus is a rabbi, and women just were not allowed to, to, to do that at, that at this time. As a matter of fact, sitting at the feet is what a disciple would do. Paul in Acts says that he actually sits at this very esteemed uh, uh, rabbi's feet, Gamaliel, he says, I, I, he, he sets at him, he learned, he studied. That was the terminology that was used, that you, you learned at the feet of someone. So what Luke is telling us here is that Mary is a disciple, and Jesus is allowing this. It would have been revolutionary. It would have been unheard of at this time. And it goes on. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. I had to stop, you know, doesn't that just sound like your kids? Hey, this isn't fair. You know, how many times have you heard that? That's kind of what is, is happening here. And I love this because it says Martha was distracted. And haven't we all been there? Everything going on. We live so distracted lives that we've got all these lists, everything that has to be happening. We look at our schedule and say, man, you know, I got to have the kids at practice. I got games this time. I got a, a, a work situation I got to take care of. And we look at all these things that we have and our list just keeps continuing to grow, and we're distracted. It's the same thing that was happening with Martha here. Then verse 41, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, some translations actually say Martha, Martha, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. And Martha basically gets this public reprimand from Jesus. Basically, Jesus is just saying, bless your heart, Martha, over all these details. You've got all these things that you want to accomplish. You've got all these things in your mind that, that, that you want to happen. You, you, you have this picture of, of what should be going on here. You want it done your way, Martha. And then he says this in verse 42. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. 
There's one thing worth being concerned about. And I love this picture. He says it, that she discovered it, which means that she pursued it, which means she knew there was something different here, that, that, that it doesn't come naturally, that I've got to put myself in a position of this. And so we see Jesus starting to contrast these two sisters, that one sister, he's happy about her posture, and the other one, he's not very pleased with her posture at this point. And I want you to understand something. You have to get this, is that this is not a personality issue, okay? For all you Enneagram lovers, you know, uh, Martha is a two, and Mary is probably a nine. And, 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 and there, yeah, there we go. <laughs> and, and so there's, there's this thing going on, but Jesus isn't calling her out for the way that she's wired. He specifically wired her that way. He is not calling her out for, for, for how she is naturally wired and what she wants to get done, you know? We all need Martha's because... Someone's got to prepare the food, all right? <laughs> Someone's got to have the, the, the whole party ready and planned for at this point, okay? He's not calling her out because of the way she's wired or what's happening. See, without Martha's, we don't have the gatherings. We don't have those things. We need Martha people on our teams. Barb and I have five kids, and we so happen to raise four Marthas and Brandon. And Brandon is one of these kids, I tell you, when we got married, I think he was like three or something like that, I thought, I'm going to kill this kid, you know? I, I, I am one of those people that chop, chop, let's go, let's get dressed, we got things to do, we got to go, go, go. And Brandon, you know, we got all the kids in, the, in our, in our full-size van, and you look around and you take a head count, and Brandon's not anywhere, he's looking at the clouds going to, you know, I'm thinking, this guy's gonna, kid's going to be the death of me. There was a time that we actually went on vacation to St. Louis, and we were in the, in the uh, science museum there, and um, we were looking at all the displays, and, and I looked around, and, and all of a sudden I realized that there was four kids, and Brandon wasn't anywhere around us, and I'm thinking, oh, we lost him somewhere. You know, I have no idea, and I, we had no idea how long he'd been gone. Michael finally came to me and said, I don't think Brandon's with us anymore, you know, <laughs> and so Barb's freaking out a little bit. You know, I'm trying to stay my calm self. I didn't lose him, you know, and don't judge us. Hey, don't judge us. We had four out of the five. That's 80%, okay? And so I'm thinking this is actually going pretty well for me. I, you know, 80% was passing. <sighs> so anyway, <laughs> we go looking for Brandon, and finally a security guard comes with Brandon, and he says, yeah, I found him on the enclosed sky bridge to the parking lot. He just wanted to go make sure, and we asked Brandon, why, why were you there? And he said, because I just want to make sure the van was still in the parking lot, that you guys didn't leave me. You know, that's... <laughs> Oh, poor Brandon. We, hey, don't worry. We turned him into a Martha anyway. So it's, uh, but it is, you know, <laughs> that whole Martha thing, we take kind of a bad rap, doesn't she? But whether you, here's, here's the, the so important part is that whether you're a Martha or a Mary type, we need to learn to serve like Martha. But when it's needed, we need to learn to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary. It's not about the wiring. It's about our posture. It's not that Martha did something. It's not what she did that was wrong. It's, it's that she lost her center. She lost her anchor at this. She was missing out on something so important. She actually lost her why, okay? Eugene Peterson says it this way. Martha was distracted with much serving. Distracted means not paying attention. It means not having a center or an anchor being pulled this way and that by whoever and whatever. We get so caught up with all the details. We get so caught up with everything that has to be done, with all the lists, everything that's there, that we forget the why. The what and the how are so important, but at certain times, we've got to understand, we've got to know why we are doing it, and we have to know the why. 
We still need the what. We still need the how, but we've got to have the why where we're doing it. And if Mary was, <laughs> if Mary's in charge, they probably wouldn't have had any food. They probably wouldn't have had anything that's going on. And we still have to understand the why of why we do what we do in our church. We've got to have, have the focus on this is what we're called to do, but we still need the what. We still need the people to set up chairs. We still need the people to paint lines. We still need the people to teach kids. We still need the people to, to set curriculum. We have all these kind of things. We have to have those kind of people. But there's a time that we get so focused on the list and all the details that we forget the why and who we are serving at that point. If we lose the why, we lose our way. And we lose everything. And Martha loses sight. She's so wrapped up in all the details that she forgets about this Jesus and she loses the anchor, and we are capable of doing that too if we're not careful. And what happens when we start losing the why and we start doing everything about the list and the details and all those kind of things is where we are headed for burnout. We get to a point that, man, it just, we're, we're so busy, we're so over, overachieving that, that, man, we just get so frustrated and, and we start to burn out. And when we get to a burnout stage, it starts leading into resentment. And in our story, we start seeing Martha going through all of those kind of things. She starts getting burnt out with everything that's happened, and now she's starting to resent her own sister who's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when we start resentment, it turns into jealousy. And there we sat. We wonder, where did we get to this place? And she feels, Martha feels that she knows exactly what Mary should be doing, and she starts critiquing Mary. You know, and how often do we, you know, I'm doing all this work. They should be doing this also. Hits kind of close to home, doesn't it? And when we get to that point, we are in a bad place. And we know there's something wrong. Our anchor is missing. Our center is missing. Our why is missing. And we begin to, we begin to expect other people to act a certain way, to do certain things, and, and how they should actually be living their lives. You see, Martha knew exactly how Mary should be Mary, which is be a little bit more like Martha. And when we start being that person, we become self-righteous. And we are not in a good place. This kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? It does to me. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through this kind of cycle. And when we get to that point, there's something messed up inside of us. And then Martha takes it even one step farther she tells Jesus how Jesus should be Jesus. She said, yeah, she's sitting here saying, Jesus, I've thrown you a party. I, I'm doing this all in the honor of you. Aren't, don't you feel honored, Jesus? And why can't you just tell, tell Mary to do what I'm doing, Jesus? She's starting to tell Jesus how he should feel about what Mary is doing. I don't know about you, but when I started processing this whole story, I'm thinking, this just is really, this is me so many times. So how's your soul? I mean, really, how's your soul this morning? And I think it's something that we have all got to grasp and wrestle with. And I think we relate so much to Martha. We understand how Martha is feeling, and we understand the, the, the lifestyle of Martha because we are caught in a Martha lifestyle, and, and we know that we should be more like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then we start feeling guilty about that whole thing. So I want to just talk a little bit more about a couple of these words that, 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 that Luke 
tells us about these phrases, if you will. And the first one is distracted. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with having lists. There's nothing wrong with being that detailed person. But it's the fact that there's so often that we can lose sight of who Jesus is as we're living that kind of lifestyle. Are we constantly distracted? Have you ever caught yourself, and I, honestly, I kind of pay attention to this the last couple of weeks, and I've heard it I don't know how many times from different people. I've caught myself saying this. Have you caught yourself lately saying, you know, I'm just so busy? Man, how's it going? I'm just so busy. Hey, are you going to show up to? I'm just really so busy. Man, it's busy. Work is busy. The kids are busy. The lifestyle is busy. Everything's busy. And I think we just have to stop and say, why are we so busy? Are we losing track of, of, of what's going on, of, of what's happening, what God is calling me to? And that's one of the reasons why we want to start this series. Over the next few weeks, we're just going to do some soul searching about are we too busy to understand? Are we living such a Martha lifestyle that we're forgetting to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary? I want to read our verse again for the year. I just want you just to listen to this. Then Jesus, this is Jesus himself, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Does that not sound amazing? Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Is that what life feels like for you today? Is that what you want to achieve? And we're going to push you. We're going to challenge you over the next few weeks to really search your soul and ask yourself, are there some things that I've got to do to change so that I can find the rest for my soul that Jesus is wanting me? And here's the deal, is it's a choice. It's a choice that we make of whether that's going to come true or not. Or are we too busy to stop for a moment and find that? There's also something I want to talk about that's dangerous about the way Martha and honestly, we serve sometimes. We have to check ourselves of, of, of why are we serving? Why, what's, what's the basis? What's the underlying reason that we are serving? And I think so often Martha's serving and I think our serving comes from a desire of approval. We're serving because we want to, ha to have approval of someone else. We want to have Jesus' approval. We're already approved of in Jesus' sight. We don't have to work for anything. If our serving and, and, and the way we're following Jesus comes out of a, 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 a position of, I, I just want that kind of approval, then there's something off somewhere. Same thing with our caring for others. Are we caring for others because we, we want you to see, we want someone else to see that we're caring for others and, and, and how they think about me? Or are we doing it out of a genuine transformation of our hearts on the inside? Because I think so often we get our feeling of, of worth from doing of accomplishing things instead of just belonging. That we belong to Jesus no matter what. And out of that belonging, out of that transformation of our heart, that's where the serving comes. If we're doing it for any other reason, then there's something amiss somewhere. There's something, something wrong with our souls. Are we serving in our name? Or are we serving in Jesus' name? Are we so distracted with the way our lives are going right now with the pace of our life right now that 
we don't have the time to sit at Jesus' feet. And then this last, last, this last statement, this one thing. This is Luke talking, <laughs> saying what, what Jesus actually said here. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. Would you just sit on that for a second? This is Jesus. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. Do you believe that? That there's only one thing. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And I think, you know, we all know it in our head. We know that, that Jesus needs to be the center of our lives. We know that that's how we're supposed to form everything else that we do. We know it up here, but it hasn't moved into our heart, into our soul. That there's only one thing that matters to any of us, and that our anchor and our reason for being, our purpose, is Jesus. There's only one thing to be concerned about, but there's so many things to be concerned about. We got shopping to do with Thanksgiving and Christmas. We got to get the perfect gift. We got bills to pay. We got we got all the the sports stuff that we got to get our kids to running them back and forth. And how are we going to work all that out? We got school plays. We got this and that, and our list just continues to grow and we begin distracted. We got to pull ourselves back to the one thing. Does the one thing show the way that I order my life? Does the one thing that I am called to be concerned about show in the way that I order my schedule? Am I having time to sit at the feet of Jesus? Because when we sit at the feet of Jesus, we, we're able to stop long enough to abide in him. We let the distractions on the, out the, on the outside and we just sit at his feet and we abide in what he has in store for us. When we sit at the feet of Jesus, we, we're able to accept and obey we're able to hear him and understand him and understand what he has in for our lives. We get to model our lives after what he has laid out for us in the way that he lived his life. When we get to sit at the feet of Jesus, there's a submission part that, oh, this isn't about me, Jesus. This is about you. This is about your kingdom being built, not about my kingdom being built. When we sit at the feet of Jesus, it implies that we have faith that he's going to take care of all the other stuff, that we have time to sit at his feet and just embrace him. There's this discipleship piece, there's this love piece, and you have to discover it. You have to work for it. We try so many other things in the culture to try to, to fulfill that. We chase, chase after all these kind of things that we think is going to fulfill us, that we think is going to fulfill our children. But there's only one thing that can do that. This Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to take communion here in just a, in just a few minutes as a family. And, and, and as we think this, and as we come and get the elements here in just a minute, I want to ask you the question one more time. How is your soul today? Are you tired? Are you weary? When is the last time that you've actually sat at the feet of Jesus and just rested in him? When was the last time you sat at the feet of Jesus and just cherished the time that you had with him? Soaking up 
in his presence and listening to what he wanted to say to you. He wants you to discover that one thing more than anything today. And so we're going to just play some background music, and I would love for you to get up from your seats. Just come and get the elements, the juice and the bread, and take them back to your seat, and we'll take communion together. But as you come, I want you to ask yourself, when's the last time I sat at the feet of Jesus? So maybe this is where it starts right here. What is it that's distracting you in your life right now that's keeping you from that place of worship, of honoring this Jesus? And I would love for you as you come to give that over to him. God, this is what I'm distracted over. This is what's keeping me, and I give it to you. Would you help me deal with that today? So come and get the elements as the music plays.
I was just sitting there thinking about just taking communion together as a family. Even this quietness that we're experiencing right now, it almost seems awkward, doesn't it? And, and there's even maybe a tension maybe there because we just don't set in silence a lot. We just don't let the moments be. And I think for me, it's just because it is that distracted lifestyle. It's that go, go, go. And it's not going to get any better unless we choose to stop, listen. And that's our hope and that's our prayer. And I truly believe the words of Jesus come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden where we got to run to so often it's the first thing that we take out of our lives when we're distracted when we're busy when there's so much to do he's the first one that goes it, it is for me many times way too often and so I think that's my challenge and I think that's our challenge especially going into the seasons that we're going into. Let's just take our time, set in the presence, and let it be to Jesus. Paul writes this, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people in agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Father God, too often silence is awkward. But if we want to hear your whisper, we have to slow ourselves down enough to be able to sit at your feet and listen. So God, as hard as it may be for me and for everyone here, we, we just confess to you that we are far too often, like Martha, concerned with everything that has to be done, that we don't have time to sit at your feet. And we confess it and we repent of it. Father, I pray over these next few weeks, these next few months, that we will find a time to carve out some of that time to set at your feet and listen and abide and hear from you. God, we are weary. We are heavy laden. We have burdens. And we're going to come to you for those answers. Thank you for the invitation. We rest in you today, Father, and we give you the rest of this time. It's in the amazing name of Jesus that we pray.
Would you stand as we close out today?